0: Welcome to Side Effects with an A. When effect is normally used, it's a noun. It's already occurred.
1: Effect is a verb meaning action. Action influences outcomes.
0: I'm Scott McGowan. And
1: I'm Anne Marie Singleton. We will provoke you to think differently.
0: Side Effects, where problems are defined, solutions exposed. Welcome to Side Effects. I'm Scott McGowan.
1: And I'm Anne Marie Singleton. Hello. Hi, and we we have a guest with us today, Susan Becker. Hi. Providence Medical Group, is that right? It is, yes, okay. nice Thanks to be for here. being here.
0: Well, thanks for being here. One of the things that we're really passionate about, and we've been talking to our own customers about, is uh, the impact of a primary care physician and the importance of that. And Susan and I, as we were walking in the building today, we were talking about going um, back to the future. So I'm 52, I can remember the days where you had to select a primary care physician, an HMO, uh, a gatekeeper. The, this gatekeeper strategy which we thought was this silver bullet uh, and uh, and it went away right and it went away and now we're talking about it again so we're talking yeah. about this whole evolution so a little bit about about you and your background so, um, like, where'd you come from? And, and we, we know where you are now. So let's just talk sure. a little bit about, about well, that. Well,
2: I've been in healthcare for over 30 years, so I'm a little older than you. <laughs> it's just slightly. We didn't tell you, no. you had to but, announce your age yes. on this podcast. <laughs> I, um, but I started at uh, Grandview Hospital in 1986 in the administrative offices, working with physicians. And I've worked with physicians my whole career, mostly the primary care side, but specialty too. And um, worked in the hospital systems here locally and um, in 2002 started this company Providence Medical Group with physicians who were the owners of the company um, with the goal of having an independent physician owned group that is really um, more unbiased when it comes to directing patients for their health care which has worked out very well for us because um, with consumerism coming back into health care people paying more for their own health care, right. want to make more choices. And for us, we can be flexible and get patients where they want to go. So that's a, a market advantage for us.
0: Yeah. So going back in time, one of the things that was really interesting in our conversation is, so um, you were with a health system yes. that uh, owned primary care physicians. They divested and those physicians said, hey, we need a place to go. Yes. You show up and say, hey, let's put this group back together.
2: Yes, actually I was with them. Gotcha. Um, so I was the director of operations for one of the local hospital systems. And they asked me to come with them when they left and set up this company. So that's what we did. We started with basically nothing and um, build a company from the ground up that is uh, thriving today
1: in a market that is highly competitive Yeah, so most of the primary care physicians in this market today are are owned by or employed by the hospital systems, Yes. again, right? And so in your, I don't know if you've got any numbers around that, in your estimation, what percentage of primary care physicians are hospital-owned or employed versus independent? Um, Well,
2: I don't have the exact numbers, but most of the specialty care is employed mm-hmm. in the marketplace. And that specialists constitute more of the market than primary care. Right. But I would say probably at least half, I think, of the, the physicians in primary care yeah, are employed. So
0: nationally, yeah. it's like 38% of the physicians are system-owned yeah. nationally. Uh, Cincinnati, is uh, that percentage is Very much high. bigger mm-hmm. right. than, uh, than yes. Dayton. Wh- why do you think that is?
2: I think the employers have uh, had an impact on mm-hmm. the market consolidation down there. There's more competition down there, so hospitals tend to compete purchasing physician practices. Oh, yeah, great point. we uh, so got five comp- systems down there. We have five we've systems.
0: Got we have two
1: systems right. here. We basically have two commercial carriers mm-hmm. here. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir on yeah. that. <laughs> something we've been talking problem. about for, for a long time, and it is a problem. But one of the things that I think became very evident to us um, a number of years ago is that who's in the best position to direct care for an individual. And employers have tried to do that through their health and wellness programs. And not that we don't think they should continue to do that, but not supplementing it with something external, I think they haven't gotten the full impact of that. Brokers, I mean, we have access to the employees during employee meetings, during education, throughout the course of the year. We can, in some ways, influence their decisions through the plan designs that we recommend. But again, we're not we're not clinicians. We're not there, and so who best to direct care for a member than a primary care physician? And I think on top of that, the independent primary care physician. So, can you talk a little bit about why you think that model is the best? Well, I think you know,
2: I'm a believer that there's something for everybody mm-hmm. in a market. In the market, if the market has has proper competition and um, choice, when you have competition, you have choice. You have lower cost. Right. Um, so the employed models work for some people, uh, and the independent model works for others. And our goal is to make sure that we can continue our independent model here in the, in the community. Um, I think the, the independent model allows consumers to make a choice, you know, more choice, as I said before. And one of the things that's important to us is um, creating a partnership with patients Right. Um, right now, primary care, being at the center of kind of a navigator type of a position is important for, for consumers because we can read on the internet a lot of things about health care. We can go to the urgent care clinics, mm-hmm. but that, as you said, fractures okay. care a little well, bit. Well, and I think some of it, too,
0: is in our role, sometimes we'll talk about, you know, what's a, what's a great wellness strategy? So it might be... It might be a Fitbit, it might be an HRA, it might be uh, another wellness corporation that we would bring inside of a company. Uh, And as much as we care and as much as we try, Mm -hmm. uh, I think in retrospect, looking back, we just confused people.
1: Right, I mean, I think that, you know, from where I sit, and you you can uh, agree or disagree or jump in is you have to know your health status and then you have Mm -hmm. to either maintain your good health status or incrementally improve the health status that, that can get better. And that's the whole goal of any health and wellness program. I think it's the goal of most people as individuals. Yes. But being able to do that, it, it's not as easy as saying it, right? Because people have jobs and lives and things come at them. And so having having a wellness program at work where you've got more opportunity, um, it still doesn't connect you. Most wellness programs today at work, site, places don't connect you with someone who can lead your mm-hmm. clinical programs or your primary care discussion right well you know the the consumers pay for the health care the employers pay for the health
2: care yeah um, and that is a little offset from the actual providers of the health care which you know the physicians and the hospital systems and everybody else and I think the um, the big issue about it is that consumers um, Need to be part of it, but as consumers, we haven't really focused on taking care of ourselves and keeping ourselves well. Right. We focus on going to get care when it's too late or when we're or when, when we're, sick. we're sick. And right. so for providers, you know, they're used to treating sick people, and now we've moved into this arena where we're trying to help people stay well. Yeah, and which that's is really interesting. Different conversation. Yes.
0: it is different because one of the things that's really interesting um, nationally, they they say. That a primary care physician can be responsible for about 1.7 million dollars of revenue to a health system. So the health system is the mouth of the river. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? So we've, yes. got, we've got all these streams. Yes. Coming down, and then so one of the things that we've learned with the organization, you're, you're super passionate about. Um, you know, when we talk about paper value, mm-hmm. right, and and the impact that you can make on the on the patient uh, and their health. So how how did that evolve?
2: Well, we, we've actually been participating in transformation projects through the government for the last five to six years.
1: Is that through the Innovation or
2: Payment Council? Yes, it's through the, the Medicare Innovation Center in okay. Washington, and it's, um, it was a pilot program called the Comprehensive Primary Care Initiative, which the focus of that over the last five years was to transform care delivery by funding uh, care coordination in offices, mm-hmm. providing resources for primary care physicians to have more of a team concept in taking care of patients. So, for our group, we used a lot of those uh, fundings to support care navigators in our offices nurses mm-hmm. who pay attention to patients when they get out of the ER, help them avoid going to the ER unnecessarily, which is a high cost expense, um, readmissions, focusing on getting people into the hospital from the hospital into the practice within two or three days after they get discharged so their likelihood of them returning back to the hospital is reduced significantly reduced
0: which sounds really different than this maybe this model of fee-for-service so i go in yes it is there's a transaction the employer pays a part of it the employee pays a part of it and you know we're finished right And, and, and so you're not
2: no and you mentioned earlier about um, capitation or how we mm-hmm. had patients years ago when we were younger um, where, <laughs> where <laughs> we're the primary young. care doctor was at the young. center yeah. and I think the difference over the last you know 20 years is that there's been an attention to quality understanding what resources really need to be used to take care of patients involving mm-hmm. patients more um, and being able to be a partner with patients mm-hmm. more right. than something that's kind of a, 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 a paternalistic type of an approach.
0: What's really interesting in this conversation is one of the things that that I love is if you're super intentional about this, which you are, then isn't this really a race to quality and talking about quality? So you mentioned you were at a large employer. Yes, uh, and we are this week. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So you're yeah. there. You've, you've got uh, feet on the ground. You're working that right now and you're talking about, you know, HRAs and getting getting those folks involved mm-hmm. and engaged uh, attributed to a primary care physician. Mm-hmm. Uh, you care about the metrics of your patients, right? Yes. Uh, under paper value and Ohio's done an amazing job in yes,
2: that. Yes it has. Ohio okay. Ohio's United States. A le- definitely a leading state.
0: Uh, and then so if I think about this from like 60,000 feet, I've got these practices that are on this race to communicate quality of the healthcare dollar,
1: right? Yes, and make sure that the outcomes are there. I mean, when would we have heard five or ten or fifteen years ago that a primary care practice was engaged with a large employer in a community? Exactly. I mean, that that just wasn't a thing that happened, right? Right. right. Right, we kind of stayed in our own world. Right, you know, and waited um, for the patients to call and come in. Yes, yes, and there's still
2: a little bit of that. um, Sure, but you know, more accessibility, this team approach. We employ physicians, we employ nurse practitioners and physician assistants. We have a whole team around patients, and that's what's. I think that's the biggest difference. Is it's not just the physician and the the patient. It's the whole team that's engaged in helping the
1: patient navigate their health care. And you said something interesting just a moment ago. You said we're really in partnership with the patient versus being paternalistic. And we hear that word paternalistic still often with our employer groups at privately owned companies, family-run companies that are third and fourth generation and they want to be paternalistic because that sounds like something that works well, right? But in this case being in partnership is where you're getting the results versus being sort of in charge and telling them what to do. Right, right. right. I think,
2: let's see, in 2011, 2012, we um, became patient-centered medical home certified practices. And I I think that we were the first entire group to become patient-centered medical home. And the concepts behind that are putting the patient at the center and being a partner with the patient and so we've been on that trajectory for the last several years Mm -hmm. trying to trying to engage people in the way that they want to be engaged not the way that we want to engage them that's a big difference right so you know looking into ways that we can um, be more available to patients do telemedicine um, responding through our patient portal think using technology to reach patients in a different way and care for patients in the way that they need to be cared for everybody's busy and you can't have everybody come to the doctor just between nine and four, right? And yeah. and so being able to that's part of making a partnership. Yeah. Yeah, that's we're so we're exciting, about, though. Yeah. Oh, it it is. For me, that's it's completely it is.
0: different. Well, you didn't you didn't grow up in the H HMO world.
1: Well, I'm not, I'm four <laughs> years younger than you, so I'll let the listeners do the math on that. So I'm yeah. not that. But much. But you were in a
0: different industry back then. So yeah. well. Yeah. Okay. we're in the
1: penalty box apparently now.
0: Yeah. We are back to the future. Okay. We're talking about capitation. Yeah. we're talking yes. about gatekeeper, but the, what's really important is we're talking to uh, employers about this all the time is the relationship with the primary care physician and getting attributed to that physician can result in savings to the employer uh, and the employee. Right. <coughs> right. Of about, right now it's about $18 per, employee, per member per month. Which is a lot of money.
1: Based on the data out there. That's what we see.
0: Correct. And not only that, not only is it just dollar savings, but what you're telling us is the quality of life is increased as well. So the, the patient, you're, you're really intentional about understanding that person. Because a lot of the wellness technology, and I'm a big fan of technology, uh, and th- this might tell me uh, metrics. But I, I don't have a relationship with this. Does right. this, that make sense? Right. right. You
2: can't ask it questions. So maybe you can talk I can ask Siri. Soon. Yes. Right. <laughs> <No. Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so Siri can deliver health care. Yeah. 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 That's
0: a really bad idea. Yeah. Isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Siri
1: yells at me most of the exactly. time, so I don't exactly. want that. Yeah. yeah. So you heard it here first. Siri can deliver health care. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. Um, but no, the, the idea that you would be trying to keep people well is just a different. And, and you think of doctors and cures and all of the wonderful advances that have taken place in medicine over over the years and really even just the things that we've seen in the last 10 years. But the concept of let's keep these patients well um, in the practice of medicine is fairly new. It is, and it hasn't been paid for for very long by mm-hmm. the insurance companies. Right. Now that
2: the ACA changed all of that so i think that opened opportunities to have different conversations with patients
0: yeah and you had to take advantage of that right yes. and you had to care about doing that
2: yes right. because
0: other entities aren't doing that so i think what i hear in in, uh, in you and your passion and your folks is um one you just care a lot but you also see way out and the value of this long term yeah so you serve fifty six thousand people in our community yes that's a lot of people. That's
1: a, lot of, a people. lot of people. Yeah. And so and I'm amazed at the staff you serve them with. So t- can you talk a little bit about your model with the nurse practitioners and the physicians and how you how you've used that?
2: Well, I think that just creates more availability. There's always, everybody talks about physician shortage, you know, there aren't as many people going through medical school or into primary care mm-hmm. because the payment structures were low. For many years, and uh, so that created a gap. And here in Dayton, we didn't we have trouble recruiting physicians. Yeah. So when we began our company, we had nurse practitioners who were coming um, into vogue at that time, and we started hiring them and and hiring the right people to create a team concept. So they work side by side with the physicians. They're nurses, so they're trained uh, differently than physicians, and they make a really good team. Uh, physician assistants are the same type of mm-hmm. situation, and um, those, those as kind of the core providers, and then staffing around that with care navigators who are nurses, medical assistants, the business side. Um, where we can help people navigate the cost, right. and the claims process, which is complicated mm-hmm. for people. People avoid healthcare because they're afraid of the cost structures and of healthcare. And it's
1: they, complicated. Yes, They it don't want to appear like they don't know, they don't right. know what questions to ask. Yes. And, I mean, this is gonna sound weird, and uh, people who know me know I'm a little nerdy, but like, I want to go to the doctor listening to you talk about that experience, mm-hmm. you know? So if you oh. can get Scott to go, yeah. I mean, you're doing a great job. Our goal is to have yeah.
2: everybody should go once
1: a year. You know, get,
2: yeah. get a check in with your physician. Even, you know, a 27-year-old guy has something that can be discussed mm-hmm. about their health care.
0: Oh, to be 27 again. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is true. So one of the things that, uh, number one, thanks for being here today. Sure. Thanks for Thanks for, for caring about uh, our community. So if I'm an employer and I'm listening to this, um, who would I call?
2: they wanted uh, to know more. If,
0: if I they can to call more. me.
2: They okay. can call uh, me at Providence mm-hmm. Medical Group and our number, do you want me to give our number? You sure. Can. Okay, it's yeah.
1: a, a 297-8999. Perfect. And we'll put a link out there on healthierbirthdays.com so you can go to their website, look at their structure, see what they're all about, and we really appreciate you sure. being with us today. Sure, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks for putting it dent and making a difference.
1: We're going to keep trying.
0: Excellent. Join us next time on Side Effects. Thanks for listening and opening your mind. If you're interested in learning more, you can reach us at Scott at HealthierBirthdays.com.
1: Or Ann at HealthierBirthdays.com. We hope you'll join us next time on on Side Side Effects.
0: Effects.